0: Welcome to the Rabbi Daniel Lapin Show, where I, your Rabbi, reveal how the world really works. But don't for a moment think that that is the only benefit that you derive from the Rabbi Daniel Lapin Show. No! Unlike other shows that deliver merely information, entertainment, distraction, This show provides its followers, its fans, and its audience with a limitless supply of inexhaustible stamina. That's right. Think about it. That is the real benefit. How does that accrue to you? Well, it's very simple. If you have great clarity of vision, if you have your five Fs, constantly polished and, uh, and refined and up-to-date, if you have a clear picture of what you are supposed to be doing and how you're supposed to do it, all of those things provide you with a limitless supply of inexhaustible stamina. That's right, because the lethargy that infects so many of us these days comes from a state of confusion. It comes from a sense of not understanding exactly how the world really works and not understanding your place in it and not understanding what it is that you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it. And so, by providing you with those things, and that, after all, is the entire purpose of the Rabbi Daniel Appen Show, well, not surprisingly, you suddenly discover yourself bouncing out of bed, you discover yourself operating with more enthusiasm and more excitement. No listlessness, no slowness, no lethargy. Yes, a limitless supply of inexhaustible stamina. That's our trademark. And nobody exemplifies this more than Mrs. Lappin. Welcome, Susan.
1: Wow. (laughs) I don't know that I can live up to that billing, but okay.
0: (laughs) Um, So I thought... Um, that we should interview each other basically, not you know, not lengthily or anything, but just uh, um, but we should, we should, after all, uh, we're talking what I wanted to talk about today was essentially how do you know, and I'm talking mainly to single men and single women, okay, how do you know he is the one or she's the one. How many times in our career in the rabbinate has a young man said to us in response to our question of why are you not married? His answer is, I
1: haven't found the right one.
0: I just haven't found the right one, which raises the obvious question of, well, how do you know when you have found the right one?
1: Well, this is going to be a very short show because the answer really is you don't the same way, and, and I, I might reference, I don't remember which of your books it's in, but otherwise I would give a plug for the book, but you, you, know, you say that, oh, faith, that many things are built on faith, and among them are businesses and marriage. You, you cannot know when you invest time and effort and money into a business that it's going to succeed. You cannot know when you jump into a marriage that it's going to succeed. To succeed. We're not prophets. And so the answer really is uh, that was, it's a really short show today because the answer is you (laughs) cannot know.
0: So that really is, you know, right there. One of the most important things today. And, um, and somebody would then say to you, Susan, well, I don't understand. What, what are you saying? Surely I can't be expected to propose marriage to somebody I don't really feel confident is the right person for me to propose marriage to. So, Or
1: accept a marriage proposal.
0: Or accept a marriage proposal from if I'm not really sure. Unpack that a little bit.
1: Um, you know, I think it's a we like certainty, which is one of the reasons we're a very legal society because we want to be able to point when something goes wrong, we want to be able to sue and be told somebody's going to pay for things going wrong. But that isn't how the world really works.
0: Good try. <laughs> <laughs>
1: things, you know, things go wrong. You cannot know. You know, none of us know the future and know how th- things are going to impact for another person as well as for ourselves. We don't know what our personalities and our characters will be in five years. Will they be better? Will they be damaged? Will we do something that really is a huge problem and makes us less of a person than we are today? Or are we a greater person than we are today? We can't know that about ourselves. We certainly cannot know about it about someone we're going to marry. So, all you can do but the other the choice is do you go and you lock yourself in a room and you don't go out because life is too scary or do you go ahead with life and then you work your very best to make things work correctly
0: you know i think that people believe that somehow the the calamities and disasters and the pains and tribulations of life um, can be eliminated if you just pick the right person,
1: which is not true. It's That's a lot absurd. It's, a,
0: it's yeah. That part of it is is whatever God has planned for you is planned for you, um, and the only question is whether you tackle that together with somebody else or whether you tackle it alone. And so, really, I think what uh, we'd like to to do for you, dear Happy Warrior, is persuade you that. Um, yes it is not a matter of choosing the right person this is not cinderella this is not hollywood this this is not finding the one person destined to be your mate from the beginning of time it's not like that at all and what we're hoping to do is not only tell you that but actually enlist your agreement your participation, your grasping of that idea, because it is a huge change from what the popular culture tells us about marriage.
1: If I can um, just come from a little, you you used a phrase about the one person destined for you from all time. Ancient Jewish wisdom actually teaches that 40 days, it's going to sound like I'm contradicting, but I'm not, 40 days before the formation of the, the fetus, the embryo, a heavenly voice goes out and says, the daughter of so-and-so is for so-and-so. In other words, your absolute best marriage partner is decreed 40 days before you're you're even formed, before conception. So how doesn't this contradict, which I don't think it does. I don't think it does contradict. Because what it means is, yeah, there is one person destined to be the best person with whom you could do the best possible marriage. But lots of things can happen. You may not not be the person that that person needs by the time you're ready for marriage. That person, there may be an accident. That person may not even be alive anymore. That person can marry somebody else. In other words, you can marry somebody else. The fact that there is a best is sort of an interesting philosophical discussion. But when it comes down to practicalities, you can make a great marriage with a number of people, and you can make a terrible marriage with the person that could have been your best partner.
0: That, that I think is right. Now, you may be interested in what the uh, classical explanation of that uh, thing you mentioned, which says that 40 days before somebody is conceived, uh, that person's ultimate life mate has been decreed, and what that is, and, and you're right, of course, there's no contradiction with what we're discussing today, but the, the idea there is that from a, a godly perspective, which is essentially above time, without the constraints of time in any way at all, um, it's, it's a sort of retrospective. The, the person whom you are going to marry is the person that was retroactively selected for you in the first place so in other words you validate the plan of the universe if you like by getting married
1: you're actually confusing me but I'll, so i as i said this belongs in philosophy class <laughs> fine all right but so we're practicality let's, into let's go practical show.
0: i'll tell you what i want to do i want to go back and uh, i want to tell the story of a young woman um who was uh, an active and involved member of our synagogue, um, you and I met in synagogue in synagogue for the first time, right? We all kinds all kinds of wonderful things happen in synagogue. We
1: were one of many couples who met in our synagogue.
0: It was a congregation that attracted young Jewish singles from around the country, and not surprisingly, marriages began to happen, and our own. Uh, was in fact the second marriage.
1: When you say not surprisingly, I would say actually very surprisingly, because most of the people who walked in the door had been raised in or were the products of 1960s, 1970s um, culture, and I think they were as shocked as everybody to find that they started thinking that marriage was a worthwhile endeavor and something they were eager.
0: And why to did do. they think that? Because. For the first time in their lives, most of them had no religious or biblical background or upbringing, and uh, it was my uh, great pleasure and enormous privilege, and later on Susan joining me, hers too, uh, to bring a, a window into the world of biblical truth. Uh, into the lives of these many people. And uh, Susan and I were among the very few people, a tiny handful of people in a large congregation, that had actually been raised uh, in homes that took the Bible seriously and had relationships with God. So uh, let's do just a quick retrospective of our whirlwind romance. Should well, well we?
1: you, you were going yeah, to were going to somebody else.
0: I'll come to that in a moment, yes. But first, I know you don't like talking about us and you and me, but now, now is the time for candor, because when you think about it, it's really just you and me talking with one another, you and I. Um, oh, gosh. I thought so, I'd get you on the ground here. You and me. Talking with one another. And it's uh, I, you and I? I it's don't, just, it's, not, it's an intimate. I'm not sure. an intimate little conversation okay. just between you and me and a few hundred thousand of our closest friends. Happy warriors, Between you or? and me,
1: I think is correct.
0: Fine, okay. Um, I'll
1: fix it on the grabber while you talk about our romance. Yeah,
0: you can you can <laughs> edit it. So, uh, so I am a rabbi of a newly planted congregation in Venice, California. It's basically Los An- one of Los Angeles's beachfront cities. You had Santa Monica, Venice, Marina del Rey, and um, there there we were. My boat lived in Marina del Rey. I lived in Venice. Uh, Many of our uh, people who who became involved in the congregation lived in Venice or Santa Monica, and there was an old synagogue on the boardwalk that we uh, revitalized, and uh, people started coming. I'm, at this point, uh, a single young rabbi who had very little intention of starting a synagogue, but, you know, sometimes the good Lord has plans. And uh, what was more striking to me was that there was this large cohort of young singles um, who—actually, I'd never met people like this before—people without a a Jewish religious background, but who were deeply and passionately hungry for more information and for more authentic spiritual connection. I'd really never met people like that before, so um, I'm I'm the rabbi, and I'm very, very— conscious of the fact that rabbis need to be married it, it's look you're you're not a complete person and uh, and to be able to credibly counsel somebody uh, on their marriage and family problems issues and concerns if you yourself haven't had to deal with them you know what there's a real credibility problem there that and for for many other reasons uh having uh, having to do with single female members of the congregation married women in the congregation an unmarried rabbi is at best awkward and at worst uh, problematic so i knew that i was going to have to leave soon because i just didn't i saw no avenue forward to marriage now look um I, in hindsight, I, I'm embarrassed. I'm, I'm embarrassed about some of the things I'm even telling you that that I didn't even fully have. Uh, I knew the stuff intellectually, but I hadn't absorbed it sufficiently myself um, to know that, you know, what? you've just you've, you've just got to Pick a woman who, who has feminine attributes and to whom you're attracted and who ideally comes from a nice family and and go for it. You know, Just, I should have understood that and known that. And somehow uh, I'd been single probably uh, for, for longer than was ideal. Um, so, you know, what what, what are we going to do? And uh, I thought, well, the only thing to do was, was find a replacement, married rabbi, and quit the uh, the synagogue and the rabbinate because too many new people were coming. And then um, what happened, Susan?
1: Well, just from my perspective, when you say you could, I think you could have. I think you could have been married years earlier.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, could, have and,
1: could have. And I and say and should
0: have in... In a sort of, not but I, I mean, I love the way things have worked out. Uh, <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, so, well, you're getting yourself in a little bit of a quarter here today.
0: Forget but it. We'll get we'll uh, um, it no. out. <laughs> So I was just saying
1: that you could have been married, and from the way I look at it, that where you and maybe more so your parents, because I don't think it bothered you as much as it b- bothered your parents. Yeah. Um, God... Was waiting. I, you know, we have a, we have a bit of an age difference between us, to say the
0: least. Yes, you
1: could have been married when I was in junior high or in high school. Yes, and that, <laughs>
0: and that would have caused a bit of a scandal if it would have been you and me.
1: <laughs> so that in my mind, God was basically saying, you know what? Don't we're not going. You're not going to get married yet. He was there was a protection. There was a, there was a, a hand of protection over you to keep you from getting married, so that we could get married. But. But yes.
0: You, you, would you would you uh, count endorse, on that? No, no it's if, if if a child of yours said I'm waiting, you know, for the right person and I know God's just delaying No, I think no, you could you have
1: wouldn't. I but I think because I think how to say this tactfully. You
0: <laughs> <laughs> just go for it. <laughs> well, you
1: were you were you were doing a lot of very, very exciting things, including you were an accidental rabbi, which means yes. you were also, you had a business. You were working. You were yes. you were working full-time, and the synagogue sort of came into being. So you were running a very, very busy life, and you were an immigrant, which meant you were adjusting to, to living start in from a new scratch, country. Yes. So you had a lot of things going on. Uh, had you not had all those things going on, and you were... Let's say a child of mine. I think I would have. I think that there are things you could have done to build your marriageability. Um, social. What is that? Social IQ. Whatever they use In, EQ. Your emotional yeah, quotients. Yeah. To to improve certain things that would have had you ready to get married. I don't without think, question. I don't think you were ready to get married.
0: Ready to get married, Susan. I wasn't ready to rent a motor car. They shouldn't have allowed me to sign <laughs> a rental certificate, right?
1: Um. Yes, actually, <laughs> as, as more than one rental agency found to their dismay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. You're an excellent driver, but yeah, you. Uh... Um.
0: But on the other hand, if um if a couple gets engaged in a state of utter calm rationality. With no passion, no emotional excitement, no intensity, but everything just all the blocks, all the the squares check off and all the uh, the items uh, coordinate. that's also a problem, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is. you know though I, again, I think this is the bottom line. there is no 100 percent perfect system or one hundred percent follow these rules and everything there is there's no such thing. Life is messy.
0: yes, yes.
1: And you have to just so do the best with what in, you can. In my
0: case, my parents, I th- my parents were very relieved.
1: Well, when, they were uh, very happy to meet me.
0: Yes, they were very happy to meet <laughs> you, uh, because you know I, I was in my late twenties, early thir- early thirties. Early thirties. Yes, early thirties. That's right. So, uh, and remember this in a in a community where it's not uncommon uh, for a, a guy to be married when he's 23, 24. 25 for sure
1: your brother your younger brother was married your young other younger brother was engaged I believe yes and my sister and your sister was married, was married so yes. you were so the oldest in the family the and you were the you were the
0: yes they were not uh, they were not feeling uh, calm at all about me so so what happens uh, just to and again we're just sharing this with as I say uh, uh, a few hundred thousand happy warriors but but um, Okay, fine, I'll I'll be honest. What happened is um I was concerned. I, I realized that this couldn't carry on. The synagogue was growing very rapidly, I was teaching. How many classes a week was I teaching? Oh goodness! Well, because four. you
1: were working, you were teaching in the morning before you went to work. At six a.m., you started teaching, and I then you doing went to
0: work. Four. Uh, I was doing a six a.m. class, four or five mornings. I think I had one morning off, so I was I doing it four mornings a week.
1: You were teaching about probably four times on on the Shabbat,
0: and then four evenings. And then evenings. Ev- evenings. So, uh, so it was it was pretty intense, and. Uh, and then also counseling, right? So I remember one instance where uh, a, a gentle... Okay, this is a, a longer story, but side point, um, there was a, uh, a, a, a film star called Elliot Gould. There is who, a, film star, there is a film star called Elliot Gould.
1: We were married by this point already when this okay, happened. Okay, well, this, this was
0: typically <laughs> what happened. It's...
1: It's a um, good story anyway, tell it.
0: The, uh, he, he had a, a, an associate who was a talent manager who uh, wanted to find out more about his Jewish roots, and he and his wife wanted to meet with me. And, um, and so the man called up and said, you know, I'm, I'm so-and-so, I'm a friend of Elliot. I said, yeah, I was expecting your call. He said, um, I, I'd like to set an appointment with you. I said, sure, we can do that um, five o'clock on uh, Wednesday. And he said, Rabbi, I'm really sorry, I won't be off work by five. And I said, you misunderstand me, 5 a.m. And there was a long uh, silence and a bit of an audible gulp at the other end. And he just said, I'll be there. And uh, he and his wife became dear friends and longtime members of the congregation for, for many, many, many years. Uh, the, the all I was doing was, number one, I was trying to test for seriousness. I had very limited time, and I had to make sure it was somebody who was serious. And number two, um, those were the sort of times I had available. So there I am, and it's pretty busy. And uh, I, meanwhile, um, look in, again, in in an, in an Orthodox Jewish synagogue, men and women sit separately on either side. Uh, of a uh, of of a barrier called a mechitza, and uh, I got up to give my Friday night talk one Friday night, and I look and I I am struck by a beautiful looking young woman in a green coat on sitting on the I just remember the green coat sitting on the the women's side. I was very struck, and uh, I, I I made a mental note to uh, say, I hope I'll be able to find out who she is after the service. But um, during the service, um, Michael Medved, my uh, my friend and partner in, in many ventures, uh, came up and said, um, uh, you might be interested to know, but there's a girl from Brooklyn in the synagogue, a new girl, we've not seen her before. And I said, oh, um, yeah, girl in a green coat in the fourth row. He said, yeah, that's right. So uh, then we, we met afterwards and moved, moved on from there. Um,
1: Not quite. All right. So I was visiting a friend and, and came to the synagogue, and I had never seen a synagogue like this. I the, Again, like you said, this was a group of people you had never met. It was a group of people I had never met. I had never, and, and quite frankly, your 10-minute, um, talk on Friday night and then on Saturday morning was also something. I I have a very good education. And I was, um, quite frankly, used to going to synagogue. And I could, as the rabbi would start talking, I could do the next few sentences. I knew exactly what they were going to say. And I didn't know what you were going to say. And it was was a bit of a, a glass of cold water of, oh my goodness, whatever I learned in third grade, there's another adult level for this. And that you were revealing—it's
0: not all Bible stories for kids. It's
1: not just well, you know this, you know. You—it's wow, There's another layer to it. Go beneath. So, I actually was—I fell in love with the synagogue, um, and
0: with—and I thought you thought it was you.
1: (laughs) No, and um, I—I had—I was in a—I was in a place in my life where it was very easy to move. Um, I had just finished college. I was ready. I didn't know what I wanted to do and
0: you were 20 or 21 21. you were 21
1: yeah and i didn't know what i wanted to do and um it was like okay you know what i met a single girl in the community we she was looking for an apartment we looked for an apartment together we got an apartment together i moved out for the community though my mother tells me later years later my mother told me that she knew that there was something special, how I felt about you. But I didn't know that.
0: Interesting. I didn't know that either.
1: So, but so, uh, you know, I was a member of the community and we would be sometimes at tables together. We would, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was in your classes.
0: And how long was it before we had our first date?
1: Um, It was about... Two months, two and a half months later, I was. So we
0: we'd never been alone together right. up for that point, no. but we uh, we had sat at many dinner tables, and uh, I was in your classes. And in, you, we were in classes Some of your and classes. so on. And uh, from that that first date was.
1: Well, it wasn't actually a date. It was Michael um, invited me to a dinner at his house, which is something he did very often. There was a Monday Monday night class that everyone, pretty much everyone in the community, went to. Yeah. And he very often would have people I would people say, over. Uh,
0: without Michael Medved, I don't think that congregation ever would have got off the ground. No, I mean, I, couldn't have, done, I no, couldn't have done it no. alone.
1: Yeah. And he would very often have people over for a meal after the the class ended or a snack or whatever. So he invited me, and I assumed that it and was. And that's
0: 9 o'clock, because the class ran. Yeah. It was 90 minutes from 7.30 to 9. Yeah.
1: I assumed that there would be a whole bunch of people there, and it turned out there was only one other guest, and that was you. So I don't even know you could call it a date. It was a setup.
0: Yeah, right. And then what happened after <laughs> um, that?
1: Well, after that, you drove me home. And 12 days later, we got engaged.
0: But you're leaving out our first actual date.
1: So there are, that was the next. That was, the, that uh, was a Monday. Th- a well, Sunday you went morning. out of. Um, oh, I was, maybe,
0: yeah, I was out of town. You know, it be hard to. I was speaking on the East Coast for five days during that right, time, Right, you flew
1: away yeah. without telling me you were going.
0: Yes, that's even right. Even though we
1: had clearly in the car, it was the next step would have been for you to ask me out, and instead it was you were gone. Yeah. was not good, not a good I, move.
0: Look, I was not <laughs> in good – I I, 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 sh- I, mean, if if your parents were more <laughs> controlling of you and were – On we're, the spot. On well, the well, spot. There's, there's no way they would have let this happen.
1: So when you came back from out of town – no, you know what? I don't, I don't think that counts as the 12 days. I think the 12 days counts from when you came back from out of town – after um, a very frosty phone conversation <laughs> because you called someone else in the community just to say, wish them a good shab- a Shabbat, you know, good Shabbat, a good Shabbat. And I was there. And that's when I found out you were not you hadn't w- told me. That's when I found there out was, you were there out of That was David,
0: town. right? Yes. I called him. <laughs> oh, and so
1: uh, okay, that was folks, when I found this, out you were out of town. Yeah,
0: this, this may be getting just a little <laughs> bit too embarrassing But for when me, you but came
1: right. back, you did ask me out. And we, of course, went boating because what else does one do?
0: Well, naturally. I mean, yes. I, 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 we That's had just a, the
1: standard first Orthodox Jewish date boat sailing.
0: <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> but in my case, it was, uh, I needed to know where, you know, whether you could handle a boat at that stage. Well, maybe even I was a deal breaker. I mean, I, I did have to know this. <laughs>
1: and so. it was very clear.
0: You knew that, that, right? That you
1: had a mistress in your life, yes.
0: Yeah, really? You brother. could tell oh, that yeah. first time. In what way?
1: It was, you the, you I, were in love with this boat.
0: I loved the boat. I really did, yeah. Um, so, at any rate, twelve days later we got engaged. Twelve days after
1: that we got engaged,
0: which is not something we'd have ever wanted to see our children do. No,
1: at all. no, no, but
0: no. We did that, okay.
1: But having said that, by the time we got engaged, we we knew really each, knew each other. other. We knew we certainly knew each other in
0: a non-romantic um, in environment. A very, yes, which yeah. is a
1: very healthy thing, I think. We knew each hugely other
0: hugely valuable.
1: Um, I had actually already started teaching classes because I was one of the very, very few... I might have been the only woman in the community with with any sort of a background, so I had already started teaching women's classes.
0: And, of course, naturally, I had to... Prepare you for that. Well, you, you had. We had, we had, disgu- we had so, certainly had
1: a few conversations discussing. So we really did know each other without. But in much more of a, of
0: a brother sister arrangement than no, a. No, I wouldn't husband, say it was a brother wife.
1: sister. It was a rabbi student. Student,
0: all right. Okay. I mean, we
1: didn't get to, I don't think we got together in person to class. We just spoke over the phone about the class I was yeah. going to teach. It was. Yeah, right. Um, you know, but, but we did know each other's basic religious and certainly a character I'd heard you speak many times at that point I'd, yes. I'd seen you interact with lots of people I probably knew you better than you knew me
0: correct yes that's true um I I knew you um as a beautiful girl uh, an extremely um uh, um the the current nomenclature would be a hot
1: you know if that's in your eyes and that's a really big I do get upset with you sometimes um it's one of the reasons I don't listen to your podcasts because every once in a while, I think you focus on beauty too much. Because there really is such a thing as beauty in the eye of the beholder. And you and I have both known cases yes. where a young man went out with a woman that we suggested. And he said, you know, I, I don't want to go out with her. I don't find her attractive. And we said, you know, go out with her three times. And then and by the, and by they ended up getting married because he did find her attractive after yes, he had spent uh, a little time no, with her. No disagreement so, there. Yeah.
0: Um, and I... Uh, I also, you were. Um, and your
1: parents had made some phone calls and had checked into my family. <laughs>
0: yes, that's right.
1: <laughs> and <laughs> so there was there was a lot of back... By the time we went on our first date and got engaged, there was a lot, or there was a lot of background information that was that was known.
0: Had your parents met me when we got engaged? No, we got engaged without them even yeah. meeting me. Again, there was just, um, it, just it was it circumstance.
1: Was, it was circumstance, and. Um, And yeah. you know there was look. I think we both felt this was very right, and the only and <laughs> we're overwhelmed by that feeling. And the only yes, thing I would is add true. is that doesn't mean we couldn't have messed it up. And we probably a few times along our marriage had opportunities where if we had turned right instead of left or left instead of right, we would have messed it up. Yeah. And as yes, I, it wasn't. Not, uh, I do think we found the right person, but I don't think that guaranteed a good marriage.
0: I think that's that's probably uh, probably the right way, but um, but again, you know, for me, somebody who I was very rational and and, and logical,
1: and I was very risk averse. So that it was. I really do think there was a little God's hand pushing us because <laughs> it didn't make sense for either of us the speed with which we got engaged.
0: Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, but for me, um, it's in in a certain sense. Uh, in a certain sense, it's counter to my advice to others, but in reality, it isn't, as I'll just clarify, in the sense that I was going to say that um, uh, from the time we actually went boating and uh, and for the, the next uh, couple of days, it, it quickly became apparent to me that... Uh, you know, that I just yearned for you. I just wanted to have you in my life at all all times. It was a strange thing. It was not a sensation I was accustomed to to having in my life at all. It's not as if I had a, a sort of sequence of intense relationships. I usually um, made absolutely sure that my relationships did not become uh, that intense. Uh, the reason I say it's not a violation of uh, of Rabbi Daniel Lappin Protocol is because by that time we really had spent quite a lot of time together in a non-romantic context mm-hmm. where uh, we, we, we you knew a lot about my family, I knew about your family, and we'd had several months of seeing each other in action with other people. Yes.
1: And I think this, that's a big deal.
0: This is the way dating used to work in small-town America up till 19, I call it 1960 or 62, whatever. But um, families knew families, people With knew that, each I other. I would actually
1: think it was the interstates. I think it was more the 50s. The interstate changed a lot of things. That, from So that one, that that one well I attribute to the interstate.
0: To a large extent, yeah, we've spoken about that. Um, so there we are. Uh, you marry not just me. And not just me and my boat. You and your community. Me and my congregation. Which was
1: my community. Which at that was point. by that
0: point already yours as well. And you now become uh, what in Jewish nomenclature is known as the rabbitson, meaning the rabbi's wife who has an unofficial position in the congregation, but a very real one. In in a sense, she would be very much like pastor's wives we've met in uh, many of our pastor friends, um, he is officially the lead pastor of the church, but she is very involved. She might well be involved in teaching and counseling. She might lead services and she might do all kinds of things, very much as part of uh, uh, the team, as it were. So that that's what happens. So now, a quick uh, a quick story. I wanted to tell the story of uh, this young woman.
1: I don't know who you're talking about. I know, because
0: at this point, it could be so many, yes. right? Because we, um, we we shepherded over 100 marriages uh, during the following few years. But during that time, one of them is uh, a girl who, um, lovely girls, spent a lot of time in our home, uh, very often stayed over at our home for Shabbat, got to know our kids, they got to know her, This is obviously a few years after. Now I know who you're
1: talking about. Yeah,
0: (laughs) and what's more, uh, when it came time for us to put together our crew for our sailing trip across the Pacific to Hawaii, she was top of the list, and she quickly agreed to come. Okay. So, um, at the same time, can
1: I just say talking about jumping in? Yes. She agreed to that was right after we met her she agreed to come that whole close relationship oh, came developed, after off
0: to the boat off from the, the boat now trip you see and i after, didn't remember that she
1: took a leap of faith she put herself on a small boat with us three small children yes that's right and a couple from our synagogue and our friend bob she agreed to come on this boat with us when she had she barely knew us
0: oh extraordinary oh i have to ask her do yeah. you know what made her do it
1: I think she fell in love with yeah. us in the boat,
0: yeah. <laughs> and the idea of a sail trip <laughs> the idea of a from boat California to Hawaii. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fine. At the same time, uh, one of the most impressive young men that I ever met, and um, and who ever walked through the doors of our synagogue, uh, was becoming involved and starting to uh, engage in Bible study, and uh, and we became friendly with him as well. So one uh, one summer we are doing our regular boating trip on a small boat with a family in British Columbia off the coast of Western Canada, and we usually invited a a couple of the young singles from our congregation to come with, um, partially as a a sort of educational experience. We felt, let's give them a deeper And intimate insight into our marriage and our family. Let's just be
1: honest here, though. We had, (laughs) um, I don't remember how many children at that point, but we probably had. Four, five, maybe six children. No, and not, not so We used to bring single girls so that I would have a vacation, so that I could manage, I mean, yes. to make it a fun vacation for us.
0: And a single guy or two would to come for, help. Uh, yes, to help with uh, running the boat. To run the, the boat. boat, yeah. So, so you know, because uh, running the boat yourself is hard. So, um, but we deliberately did select these two people. We, and she
1: was with us the whole s- summer we invited him up just for a few days he wasn't for about a week okay
0: yeah uh and during we did that, that deliberately week, yeah of course we, we did, did that, that deliberately. very deliberately um who else was with us on that trip do you remember yeah i do you do All because
1: right. they had met she had met him at our table at our shabbat oh, table, yeah, yeah, yeah. and she was not taken and we were we looked we at each were other taken. and said we were thinking this is the right guy for this her this is
0: exactly <laughs> the right guy for her this is a match made in the lapin household i mean this was it Uh, and um, it hadn't sort of really clicked with either of them, but those long summer evenings on a boat in some quiet bay in British Columbia, um, yeah, that did the trick.
1: Not only that, but when one of our daughters fell overboard in freezing water and he dove right in, I think that told a great deal about his character. Yeah, that settled
0: settled it. Anyway, they they got married. The reason I mention that is because... Uh, a few years have gone by, and this couple remaining among our closest friends, although they don't live here. Um, so, um, can we tell the story about their son? No. What, you don't think so? No, I don't. Well, nobody knows who we're talking no. about. No, 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 no. Is no, that that's right? too
1: personal. You can tell stories from 20 years ago. You can tell stories from 30 years ago. You don't tell current stories.
0: All right. So, in 10 years' time, God willing, we'll tell the story. <laughs> All right. Anyway, suffice it to say that um, we have uh, had the great pleasure of being involved in the marriages of some of their children um, as well. So, so there we are. Uh, it's, it's very, very beautiful. Um, so um, I wanted to talk about one of the key things mm-hmm. in um, maintenance of a marriage. Boating. Boating. No, come on. Uh, that that that's our misshapeness. That's our uh, idiosyncrasy, if you like. But um, it's obviously very few people do that. But what what what, what is important in terms of um, maintaining long-term durability in a marriage? Um, there is no one important thing. I think it's important for everyone to understand that marriage is so complex and um, and there's so much to it that. On any complex thing, if somebody tells you, you know, here's the one secret you have to know, there's no such thing. There is no one secret, and certainly no one secret for everybody. But nonetheless, uh, a very important thing is to accept the biblical idea that there is a moral obligation to be happy. Now, this is uh, not a commonly known, it's less Understood. You see, there are other biblical things that people take seriously. Oh, we've got to uh, we've got to work for justice, right? And uh, you have social justice warriors, many of whom will even quote the Bible. You know, justice, justice shall thou pursue. And they, yeah, listen, we're we're into the Bible. Okay, you'll hear that and. Uh, and then there'll be people who say, okay, the Bible says you, you know, you, you, you're not allowed to lie. You've got to be honest. Okay, Some fine. People take
1: the Sabbath seriously. People take charity seriously. Yeah, there, there are a lot of things to things. take seriously. Uh,
0: the one that is a very serious one and doesn't, uh, and doesn't get spoken about so often is the moral obligation to be happy. So this has nothing to do with how you feel. You know, I, I think I've told you the story of how violently my mother reacted when she said, you need to be happy. And I said, well, then get me a motorcycle, I said, at the age of 14, and I'll be happy. And she reacted in a way that I haven't forgotten to this present day. So uh, being happy is not a function of whatever is outside. It's a function of an obligation you accept upon yourself. There was a story about uh, Robertson. Uh, young race, Yes, exactly right.
1: Um, so this is a, a woman who was born, or she was a young girl in a concentration camp with her family. And it was a, um, a slightly lower level concentration camp, which is one of the reasons that she survived, because most children did not survive the arrival the day they arrived was their last day on Earth. But um, she did, and her family was actually together. And um, her father told her as a, young, a little girl, she was told that she had to, she had a job to do. And she said, a job, I'm, a, you know, I'm whatever. She was six or seven. And he said, yes, you must walk around with a smile on your face because you will give something to people that they desperately need if you walk around smiling. And she took that very seriously. And she passed away only a few years ago, I believe, in her 80s. And yeah. I don't think she stopped smiling from that point on. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so the accepting this as a reality in in your life is hugely important. That you have a moral obligation to be happy. That's regardless of anything else that's going on in your life. You know, every life has its problems. Every life has its trouble. Every life has its pain. All of that, notwithstanding, an obligation to be happy. And uh, and for those of you who are, uh, who Bible centric, I'll give you the uh, the references and that is Deuteronomy uh, 16, 15, chapter 16, verse 15, and you shall be but happy. Uh, Deuteronomy 26, 11, and you shall be happy with all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and your household. And um, and finally, chapter 28 in Deuteronomy, verse 47, uh, you want to know why all these horrible bad things have happened to you as a as a people? Because you have not served the Lord your God with happiness and with full heartedness on account of all the um, uh, the 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 goodness that God has done for you. So this is a, a hugely important thing: the idea of being happy. And it is very important in a uh, courting situation and even more important in a marriage situation. Well,
1: I think one of the mistakes a lot of people make is that it's your spouse's obligation to make you happy.
0: That's Excellent. Thank you for mentioning that. That's exactly right. That's a very big thing. That, uh, it's a big mistake that people make. I've got to marry somebody who will make me happy. That, that in itself is a false statement of the highest order. Um, Susan, let us also, for people who are beginning to be aware of the huge power that flows from biblical understanding, uh, let's tell people about uh, something we've worked on um, for the last couple of years and which is now a fruition and um, and something that uh, that is hugely effective.
1: What you are talking about is our scrolling through Scripture very video course. And um it can be seen on our on our website at rabbidanapppin dot com or wehappywarriors.com. dot com. And it's now, it, you know, it grew. You start we started and we thought it would be fifteen um, half hour videos covering the first, the basically a little more than chapter one of Genesis because it's the Jewish chapter rather than the chapter that's in the Bible we all use. And we thought it would be fifteen, and you couldn't do it in fifteen, you probably. I mean, just to, to put it in perspective, the book of Genesis was taught in an hour and a half class once a week, and it took over ten years in our synagogue yes. to go through that. So, it's not so we're m-
0: not moving at that rate, but it did but we, it, it did take twenty uh, online lessons. It's to now cover twenty the first online lessons verses.
1: and a forty four page workbook. Yeah. To be able to take those, to help take those lessons and actually say, how, what does this mean for my life today? It's not just an academic study. And I think it also study. gives
0: people uh, an introduction to Bible study on a totally different level.
1: Well, partially because it introduces people who do not know any Hebrew to the importance of, of Hebrew letters and Hebrew words and how a translation misses the mark in so many ways. And so that is now actually just as of last week, it went up the entire complete thing, all 20 lessons. Everyone, anyone who ordered it previously is getting an email telling them how to fill in. They're mm-hmm. going to get everything. But the entire course is only available as of last week on the website, workbook, 20 lessons, the whole shebang
0: um susan um quiz quiz time okay before 1962
1: Mm -hmm.
0: what percentage of americans of the age of 30 had been married
1: oh gosh um before 1962 i'm going to say gosh i think it's way up there i'm gonna say um 75
0: not quite over 60 percent okay over sixty percent, up until nineteen sixty-two, over sixty percent of people, aged thirty, had been married. Now, and by twenty fifteen, which is six years ago, uh, how many do you think? How many Americans twenty fifteen? Um,
1: I'm going to say under fifty percent.
0: You keep going.
1: Um, in the thirties. Keep going. Oh my goodness! In the twenties, then obviously. Keep going. Really? Yes. Wow.
0: About 17%. Wow. Only about 17% of Americans of the age of 30 have ever been married, yes.
1: That is. So that
0: includes divorced people, but. uh, Right,
1: but it also includes, in other words, someone, if let's say someone was widowed and in their 70s, they are counted, uh, they're in this group. Yes. So it's. Wow.
0: Isn't that something?
1: Um, It is. It's amazing.
0: So, really. Um a very, very high proportion. Right now in the United States of America, what percentage of people report having no romantic involvement in their lives?
1: I'm afraid to get well for after COVID, first of all, COVID. No, this uh, actually the statistic oh, is prior to COVID. Pre COVID? Yeah. Um if only what did you say the percentage was married? Seventeen percent was married. Had so I'm going to say under thirty. Or-
0: um 60% of people do not have so a romantic interest in their lives. 40% do. Isn't that crazy?
1: That is. It's, um...
0: And so there are all kinds of, I mean, individual happiness is an issue, and national fertility is an issue. There are all kinds of consequences to figures like this. But um, what, what do you, off the top of your head, what do you see as the reason for this? Why is it? That the very natural, God-given attraction of men for women and women for men, why has that been so diminished and overwhelmed to the point that it's now a minority of America? Thank God, those figures, by the way, are they worse in America than in many many other countries around the world? So you know, don't don't uh, don't necessarily. Assume this is true for wherever you live. But in the United States of America, uh, only 40% of people have a romantic interest. That means not only are married, but are thinking of being married or or have a a very special, serious connection with somebody. That's a minority of people. How has this come about?
1: Oh, I think we've made a lot of really, really bad mistakes over the past few decades. And one of them is the divorcing a romantic relationship from a physical relationship. So we we basically said they're two different things. You know, you can have a lot of physical relationships, but that doesn't mean you have to have a connection with somebody. And um, that's one. B, I think you have an awful lot of people who've grown up with fear. Fear of watching parents, as parents either without, either they, there was no fear positive on both there was no positive example where you said wow i would like that Mm -hmm. in my life and many people sadly have a lot of negative examples where they said well i certainly don't want that in my life and we've also elevated career um you know you talk we talk about the five f's and they have to be in balance with with each other family fitness faith faith, um, friendship and faith uh, and
0: did you say that? faith that, family friendships finance and fitness finance
1: and, and we we've, we've elevated finance um in in our society as that is what you need you go to college for that you you spend your years don't even start thinking about relationship until you're in your late 30s because it's going to interfere with your your making something of yourself so but we've got two brackets you've got brackets that don't have a concept of romance it's just physical right a relationship and then you have right. a bracket that well you know the career is the the golden idol of our the golden calf of our day for many people
0: um susan yeah uh we'll come back to this one as well but uh when you were 19 or 20
1: mm-hmm.
0: did you see a marriage uh, in your uh, in in your future um, so, you know, there, Susan, as as a 19-year-old college student in Brooklyn, New York, um, I, I wonder, did you see marriage? And in your mind, had you sort of thought, well, I'd like a big family, I'd like to have seven children?
1: <laughs> no, not quite. Okay, so I, I certainly, marriage, yes. And I, I think I grew up in a, because I did grow up in a an Orthodox community, and so marriage was sort of taken for granted. And I think that's where one of the mistakes was because it was taken for granted. Because that's what everybody had done. All our parents had been married. All our grandparents had been married. Everybody, you know, you just got married. And at the same time, feminism had made inroads. And so I went to a very academic school and the expectation was both ma- the boys and the girls were going to become professionals and have careers. And no, I, at that point, I don't think people realized that there possibly could be a contradiction in how many ways can you focus your mind when you're in your 20s. So I, if you ask me at 19, I certainly saw marriage, but I also saw a big a career, and I didn't realize that there might have to be trade-offs. Because understand. it was the world you're supposed to be able to have everything now. The world has really moved on to this new level where we're entitled to everything.
0: Had you thought about whether when you do get married, you'd want to keep your maiden name or No, uh,
1: that was no, I never even thought in that detail. That it wasn't was not a, and it wasn't we weren't it wasn't a feminist move. It was more just a Um, it was, it was more of a matter of fact assumption and where I fell down is I really didn't know a a lot of career options. I mean, if I looked, I knew you could be a doctor, I knew you could be a lawyer, I knew you could be a CPA. Um, I didn't want to be a doctor, I didn't want to be a CPA, so I kind of assumed I was going to go to law school and I came out to Venice and, and that changed my life and I got a job and I was, you know, one of the hardest things I will tell you, and this was a huge, huge, huge challenge for me. When we got engaged, I had... I had gotten a job, you know, I needed, I was paying my rent and I was supporting myself. And it wasn't a job, it was a job I lucked into. It wasn't a job that I necessarily said, oh, this is the field, I want to pursue it. You know, but I was getting my feet and I was was finding, it was a job in a financial company. And I actually, again, fortuitously ended up being an assistant to a woman who was leaving on maternity leave. And who was a vice president in the company, and I understood very clearly that the last she the last time she had gone on maternity leave, her assistant had then been wooed away by a rival company with a huge increase in prestige and pay because of what she learned when she covered for this her boss over the months of the maternity leave. So I. Had basically lucked into something that was turning into a potentially very good career path, yes, um and then we got engaged, and you said, Well, you need to quit your job <laughs>
0: that was yes, I did
1: so against everything, first of all, every woman's magazine I had ever read said, Do not become dependent on your husband financially." Right, um, warnings. You know, this is your. You know, they'll. This is a bad idea. You do not want to make your financial future dependent on somebody else. Your fulfillment. Um, I. It was it, that was a. And I will say, you know, obviously there are. There's a lot of variety in the Jewish community, and there. But specifically, the the stream in which I had traveled and grown up. What the assumption was not that the mothers had careers, so it was new. But my generation was going to. And it was gonna go with somehow it was gonna match marriage and children. That was, everything was everything was work. just gonna work out.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, literally, I probably had this idea that I would do dishes Monday night, my husband would do dishes Tuesday night, I would do Wednesday, he would do Thursday. It was it was just this assumption that this was all you know, it was all gonna work. And so when you said and and it made sense, you were working at a job, so you were working from whatever, let's say nine to five, which probably more than that and you were teaching before that and you were teaching after that if i had my own work schedule we never would have seen each other what i and and you knew you understood that and you also understood that being the rebbitson of this community was going to we we had from literally the week after we got married we had guests at our friday night and shabbat lunch tables every single week
0: without exception.
1: Without exception. And
0: that meant you were cooking.
1: And that was a big part of growing the community because that's yes, where the relationships were formed and where the where Judaism and God and Torah were really introduced to people um along with the classes and that was a shocker for me. That was it that was talk about a leap of faith. That was a very big leap of faith for me to do to quit my job.
0: I remember, I mean you were you were very very miserable and unhappy during that it time. It was a shock.
1: I was yeah. in shock. It was I was miserable and unhappy, but I was shocked. I was in shock and it was it was taking a step that I had never ever contemplated. You know, maybe if someone had said to me, look, by the time you have, you know, maybe you'll have children, then you'll want to stay home, but that wasn't I, I was I was, there were no, there were no children on the horizon at that point. (laughs) Yes, that's right. We weren't even married yet. And, and you were right. But it was, um, that was a big shocker to me.
0: Yeah. I remember it was a very, very hard thing. Very
1: hard. And that may be, if I say that I truly think we were men for each other, that was one of those places where I could have called it off at that point and said, this is ridiculous. You're a um, patriarchal ogre. You know, I'm going to call it off.
0: Did you know at that time that that was a deal breaker for me?
1: Yeah, Yeah. it wasn't that you would. It it was just it was you. I wasn't wasn't
0: threatening or anything. No, but
1: but it was just clear that that was not what I wanted. That was your that the vision you had of of marriage and what a relationship would be meant that and and again it wouldn't be that every woman has to quit when she gets engaged, but because of our circumstances circumstances that.
0: For us, that was an important thing. That had to be. You know, I'm just sort of pulling together a number of questions people have sent in over the last few months and asked me uh, about. Um, So I'll
1: throw one at you. I was
0: going to ask you if you had any questions for me.
1: Um, Because you were single for a long time. Yes. And so I imagine there was a point that you must have said, oh, my goodness, what did I do? (laughs) You know, uh, and panic and and will you say, well, wait—is—is is this really? I mean, am I really going through with this? This was a huge change, and you were a very—you um, were adventurous. You—you—you you, you were not a. There was a reason you weren't. You were working a nine to five job, but there was a reason you weren't only working a nine to five job. You needed a variety in your life. You needed a lot of excitement and adventure. And you were full of ideas. And—and and all of a sudden, you know, did the a phrase that's a disgusting phrase but quote unquote the ball and chain i mean did you panic and say wait 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 i'm not really ready for this change i like my life i you had a pretty good life
0: after i met you yeah honest to goodness i can't explain it because i was i was always it, it's not as if as you say i wasn't walking around moping at being single i mean i was i i i was I was having a great time in my mind, you know i was uh I was nineteen and having a, a wonderful time um, but no, to be honest um from from that Sunday we spent boating in the rain when you bought homemade chocolate chip cookies, which was a very calculated and shrewd <laughs> move, Susan that, that, that was no accident. I know that
1: no, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs>
0: Uh, but no, I, I honestly had absolutely no doubt. Now, look, I, I mean, part of it was I was wildly attracted and and I felt a deep emotional connection. So, um, and, and part of that was because we'd known each other for three months already before there was anything. So, uh, no, I actually didn't, nothing at all.
1: I'm going to Dr. Freud here. <laughs> because yes. I do believe you lost your voice the day oh. before the, our wedding. Oh,
0: that's true. That was a stress. Yes, that that is true. Now, so how do you explain? Yeah, look, this is true. I was stressed the, the few days before the wedding. Um, I was stressed, and I'm not sure... Um,
1: uh, just to add, this was we were the second wedding of our community, which, as, as my husband said, ended up being over a hundred young, 50, over a hundred couples met and married in the community. But um, we were number two because the night before our wedding, you actually performed the wedding of the, the first, first couple.
0: Yes, that's right. The night before I did their wedding, and the next day was our wedding. And we brought my father and mother to come along. My father was a officiate. Well, going they would to have officiate. wanted. They would
1: have wanted to be at the wedding anyway, probably. Most well, because they, <laughs> they like you. <laughs> um,
0: In connection with which I am now going to tell the worst story in the whole world having to do with our marriage, which you're going to wave violently to try and gesticulate. You're going to draw your finger across your throat saying, no, this you can't tell the story, but I am going to tell it quickly because we don't have a lot of time left. Um, And that is that um, we got engaged. I had not met your parents. They had not met mine. Right. And... You had not met my parents, correct? And they had not met you. And uh, your
1: mother got on a plane the next day.
0: So the next day she
1: was closer. My parents were thousands of miles away. Your my parents were, in, were in San away.
0: Jose, California. Yes. So my mother gets on a plane and she uh, phones and says, "Daniel, uh, I'm going to come down to meet Susan and to spend some time with the two of you, and uh, I will be there later today." so okay um and uh
1: can i just give a picture of your mother a, Who a I, remarkable
0: remarkable who woman. i
1: was very close to yes. and i i really loved a great deal but um the image on people in the community had met my in-laws i had not because i had only been there a short while but other people had and i got a lot of quote unquote helpful advice which is they're very formal they're very British, and my mother-in-law can present on First Acquaintance, could present, if, if you're the queen mother, sort of as somebody who with a look— could make an entire room with go her. with her. Yeah. <laughs> yes. She was actually a very warm person, but she definitely had that British she, quality. She carried of, herself um, with British was, dignity yes, and reserve. Yes, she was British dignity and reserve and majest- majesticness. Yeah. yeah. No, she, she could be a, intimidating. She, she was could. intimidating,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, and to me, too. And yeah. that's
1: what I was told by everybody. I was basically told, oh, you know, mind your P's and Q's.
0: Well, we're driving to the airport to meet my mother, and in those days, um, of course, you know, you went to the gate, and they stepped out of the gate, and and there you were, Um, but on the way to the airport, uh, Susan is saying to me, so, you know, any tips, anything I should know, anything I should do, and I said, well, there is, and here, ladies and gentlemen, I was at my most cunning.
1: No, excuse me. I wouldn't say cunning, as I said, there were things that you could have worked on with social maturity that you did not in the years prior. To I me. prefer
0: I prefer <laughs> cunning. I was at my most diabolical. I, Susan says, uh, well, let's act this out, Susan.
1: No, you just tell it.
0: No, act it out. <laughs>
1: This is not a video.
0: Doesn't matter the the <laughs> it'll be more helpful for our happy warriors.
1: So, is there anything I should know? Any special way uh, how should I address your mother? How should I how should I greet her? What Well,
0: Susan, you, you know, there is one thing you know what? I can't ask you to do that.
1: Now tell me, I want to. <laughs>
0: That's exactly what happened. So I said, are you sure? Yes, yes. Well, what is it? I said, well, there's a very traditional way that African brides meet their future mothers-in-law for the first time. What is it? And Susan, yeah, was what it is. Now, now, just as an aside, I'm filling you in on some of the background. Um Back when I was growing up in South Africa, and I haven't been back for decades, I have no idea if this is still true or not, but there was a naughty word. It was an uncouth and vulgar word you used. Uh, Let's say you're riding a bike and a dog starts barking and chasing and snapping at your feet. Um, You would yell at the dog the word footsack, which...
1: Anyone from South Africa who's listening right now is going... (gasps)
0: Yeah, no, definitely. If, if you if you are from, and we have many South African listeners, you are all gasping. You you don't even want to hear me say the word footsack on the air because it's you know it's 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 a horrible. get out of here, go away. At at its very best, but it's even worse than that. And um, it's really a word you'd use to try and get rid of rabid dogs. And so. I mean, so I'm saying, yeah, we got this thing back in Africa, brides greet their mothers-in-law in in a certain way, but I don't want to have to make, you don't have to do it if you don't Mm. want to. No, 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 tell me, I'll I'll do it, I'll do it. So I said, well, what you have to do is you have to go straight up to your future mother-in-law, my mom, and put one of your arms on each of her shoulders, and look into her eyes, and then you have to very spiritually and meaningfully and sincerely utter this word of of blessing and tradition and she said what's the word i said footsack and she and you south africans listening are are gasping in horror that i could be such a terrible human being and i'm sorry i just
1: say because when we talk about marriages and the challenges of marriages you stayed a 10-year-old with your parents when your parents were involved. <laughs> you, I'd say 50% of the time you were 10 years old. <laughs>
0: um, so um, so we practice the word till she can say footsack with just the right expression and the right tone of sincerity and meaning. And um, my mother steps out of the doorway in the arrivals uh, in, in the concourse and she's wearing, I think she's wearing her white gloves. I'm sure
1: she was. And
0: um, <laughs> and she, with a little hat and everything looking And I just very... want to say,
1: do not picture, of not, I grew up in an Italian neighborhood with a lot, where there was a lot of hugging and stuff. British people, that is not so. You, it's, you don't There's touch. a rule, you don't you're, touch. you're not allowed to even extend your hand for a handshake to the queen. If the queen does not extend her hand to you, you do not touch her. So,
0: and by the way, in polite uh, English society, to this present day, the prerogative of whether to shake hands is the woman's, not the I, man's. Well, I
1: wish that would be in our society as well. The,
0: men never extend their hand to a woman unless she does so first. But what in I'm other saying words, is
1: the, not who, only the word, but putting a hand on your mother's shoulder oh, was yes. a violation of protocol yes, to absolutely. begin with. Yes, <laughs>
0: absolutely. And so she there she comes, and this young a Brooklyn girl trying her best to make a good impression on this rather formidable dowager, she walks up to her, violates her space by going right up close, <laughs> touches her person by putting hands on her shoulders, looks into her eyes, and sincerely mutters the word, not matter utters the word, footsack. Well, my mother, her eyes widened to wider than i've ever seen them and she lost her breath she goes like this <gasps> <laughs> and you can pick up from there
1: and and in a a millisecond she turned and looked at you and said daniel
0: She immediately twigged on to to what had happened. And she
1: and I became very close from that moment on.
0: It was a dumb move because they (laughs) allied themselves against me uh, from then onwards. But but anyway, you you had a wonderful relationship with them. And uh, and when I eventually met your parents, I had a very good relationship. Your you mom know, was, was an amazing. She, I, I loved her. She was did. incredible. My,
1: I, my, um, we flew back together. I think my parents had met you before this, but we flew back together. My cousin got married about two months before we got married.
0: So we were and engaged.
1: We, flew, we were engaged, and we flew into her wedding. It was a promise my grandmother had asked each of us before she died to make that we would be at each other's weddings and so she came to my wedding and i went to hers
0: who was this Ruth- ruthie. ruthie yeah that's and her name so she it.
1: we um when i stayed on you left right after the wedding and i stayed on for a little longer to go shopping with my mother and do things with my mother and you when when my mother when my parents took me to the airport I didn't know it then, but you called my mother a few hours later and said you must be feeling very lonely, and she felt that she was very touched by that. Yeah, and so you had a wonderful relationship with her as she well. She was
0: incredible. She really. She knows. went boating with us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> She went that. sailing <laughs> in the
1: Caribbean with us. She went sail. She went boating in the <laughs> Pacific Northwest with us.
0: Um, you know, people often say, "Never mind the parents; you're marrying the person." True or not true?
1: Um, not true. Completely not true. And even, it's not to say you can never marry someone whose parents you don't like, but it's something to take into account. Because first of all, family matters. That's just matters. And when, even if it's just baggage, even if it's, if it's a negative thing, a lot of the person you're marrying was formed by the family. And if they're deliberately and making a decision and we know many people who have made a decision to not copy their parents and to not do that's a decision. Yeah. the family is still the formation. In other words you still need to know. Yeah. It, it 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 helps a great deal to um, know the family people come from. Our yeah.
0: politics don't match a couple says uh-huh. to us we don't we vote differently. You
1: know what? If someone had said that in nineteen fifty I would probably have said I mean I wasn't really alive yet, but I would have said um, you know not such a big deal today that's that's your values yeah that's values your belief system it's everything yeah.
0: i we, we would say that if you are uh In the United States of America, I'd even say in England, by the way, because the Brexit vote was so reflective of underlying values, um, we would say that uh, if if a couple is contemplating marriage and he voted one way about Britain leaving the European Union and she voted the other, they should definitely not get married yet. There's a lot that needs to be worked out. So, uh, as Susan said, you know, a few decades ago, before 1960, uh, fine, uh, because the the uh the, the the gulf wasn't so unbridgeable between the two uh, opposing sides but but today it is um any last questions you'd like to ask me in your interview
1: no um, you know i saw okay. i meant
0: to i really would have wanted to take a picture of this when we what? were do you remember i had a speech in uh, lancaster pennsylvania yeah, recently sure. and we had a lovely drive we mm-hmm. drove there and was a lovely part of pennsylvania and I caught a glimpse of something that I'd, I kind of was thinking to myself, I, we can't stop now, but maybe. The train
1: museum? No, no,
0: no. no try, I want to see that. No. Uh, we just, in a flash, we drove by two trees. I just The imagery stuck with me. And I thought to myself, I'd love a picture of it, like for a cover of a future book or something. Two trees had been planted very, or grew close to one another. And what had happened was they started off growing separately and they got closer and closer. So by the time, at at about the six foot level, they
1: were one tree. And
0: then they started almost intertwining. And then by about 12 foot up, it's like one tree. And I just, I like that imagery That's very much indeed, imagery. because one of the things that stops uh, some people from getting married is, uh, you know, we, we don't agree on, on many of these things. Uh, you know, she wants this, I want that. Uh, uh, again, not on fundamental values, but, and I I thought of that image of those two trees, and, and it's something that, uh, that sticks with me because... The 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 thing that many people do not get, many people don't understand, is that who you are now and who you will be five years after marriage are not not only are not the same; they shouldn't be the same, because marriage makes you grow. And one of the things, that, the ways in which you grow, is you do grow towards one another. And so um, things that you may have thought almost a revulsion for you would never consider you are more open to after five years of marriage to somebody for whom those things are important, which is which is really something that that brings us to one of these basic points, which is finding somebody and living with somebody whose happiness is more important to you than your own.
1: Well, I think also there's the mythology, and this, you know, this was based on whether it's Walt Disney, but the happily ever, you know, happily ever after, the marriage is the final step, and a lot of chick lit, chick literature goes like that, also. Um, the final step is you get is getting oh, married that's a and good that's, point you're right you know every
0: harlequin romance the marriage is the last I, few I pages don't i don't know i don't recently you read, read them, more I harlequin read romances <laughs> than susan because they are so indicative of the deepest secret desires of the women who buy them and read and
1: that's them. that's a very damaging thing because,
0: what the I, idea that marriage is the last page?
1: Marriage is the last page. Yeah. because you're marriage right. That's a great point. the same way. You know, you don't if you're starting a business. Let's say you decide to open a bakery. The day you put the open for business sign is not the end of the story. That's the beginning of the hardest work. And marriage, you know, it's it. it there are a lot of distractions after you're married, and a lot of times in getting ready for the marriage, you actually didn't. You know, you neglected other parts of your life possibly because it takes yes. a lot of time. But it's marriage can never be on the neglected burner. And, you know, as children come, look, there's challenges. And I think that is something that we certainly, um, uh, we always, 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 not, you can't do this every day. Sometimes you, you know, the days go. But we don't, we never let um, too much time go by without spending fun time together. And that might have been a three-hour drive. It might have been a half hour outing, and it might be an overnight. That's we how went I off got, overnight.
0: That's how I managed to persuade you to go out for coffee with me yesterday.
1: right. Yesterday, yeah. right. Exactly. So we we never let too much time go without spending marriage time. Okay,
0: time for just two more topics. One is... Oh my goodness, uh,
1: I thought we're finished.
0: No, no, no. Marriage isn't the end of last page. (laughs) Uh, The um, rules of engagement, right? Obviously, there are going to be disagreements and fights. I would go as far as to say, would you agree with me if I say that uh, if there are not fights during the first year, that's probably not a good thing? That then things are getting swept under the rug. It means or too ignored. much is being swept under the rug. Okay, That's maybe right. change
1: the word fight to conflict.
0: Yes. Okay. Good. Fair enough. Uh, rules of engagement. what What is permissible? What's non-permissible in um, in marriage conflict?
1: Well, what's, what's non-permissible is... I think we may have to have a divorce. The divorce word is non permissible unless you've reached a point that you actually are ninety nine percent on the divorce. It's a little right bit like it's
0: a little bit like owning it's a not firearm. A threat. One yeah. of the responsibilities of owning a firearm is never ever point it at anybody unless it's loaded and you're willing to shoot.
1: Right. So the D word does not get used as a bargaining chip or as mm-hmm. a threat. Um, And in general, I think learning how to, and and I don't think we were very good at this, I think Learning that you have different styles of dealing with conflicts, and I think we were we did fit the stereotype that your style was to withdraw and go silent, totally
0: forbidden. You're absolutely, if you're in the middle of an argument, you cannot walk out, you cannot disengage. But,
1: but I could have understood that as that another's a woman's tendency is to talk, and a man's tendency is to get more quiet. Yes, <laughs> so it would have been helpful yes. maybe if we had both understood at the beginning that we need to structure things so that. It's, um,
0: it's astonishing to me how much I knew when we got married. That did not the- theoretically. That did
1: not apply practically. No,
0: that should have and did, but uh, I was not able to because it needed a certain yeah. maturity. Well, and, I think uh,
1: I do think there's a lot more material out, and I think there's some of it's bad. There's you know yeah. there's a lot of negative and harmful material out. But there's also a lot of good material out yes. there that you can learn from. Yeah. And I think that is a good idea. So that's rules of engagement. I'd say that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, um, and, and here's the, the final thing that I wanted to touch on, which is that uh, it's become common in the culture now to speak of, well, we live much longer than people used to years ago. And so the whole idea of being married for life no longer applies. After all, forever is a very long time. And we should get used to the idea. So essentially, this is a strategy being used by... uh, Serial
1: marriages, that you should have serial serial marriages. marriages, And and this is largely brought about
0: by uh, divorced people who are a little bit like... um, These are like people who thought the ocean liner was sinking, so they jumped overboard into a life vest, and they're floating in the water and they're yelling up to everyone on the boat, come on in, the water's fine, join us here. Um, and there's a tendency to do that, so the honest, yeah, listen, don't don't think, and by the way, I can readily understand how dangerously seductive this can be to couples uh, in a marriage. Everyone goes through times of concern, and if if the culture, if something you trust, your friends, the me- everyone's beaming at you the message, hey, you know what, your marriage has run its course. Every marriage has a natural lifespan, and it's time for you to move on for both of you,
1: well, that's the phrase now, is that he or she is a wonderful person. We just, we just are growing in different ways. We're growing
0: apart. That's yes. right. That
1: was the Gates marriage. That was, the, you know, whatever it was. And on one hand, I feel like I don't need to know all your dirty laundry, but that kind of a sentence is dangerous and a bad thing in itself, as if, you know, we're, she's basically a great person. He's basically, basically a great guy. We could stay married, but we're each looking for more happiness. That's a very damaging idea. It because is. marriage then it wasn't a covenant that you entered with the seriousness that it needs. So what
0: I what I'd like to convey to people and and again I'm first hoping of all can I just
1: mention if you look like Abraham and Sarah the years they lived they had longer marriages than we do.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> But a few years have elapsed since then. We've had our ups and downs, but uh, but I, I think the um, the the popular culture message is: look, you know this person really well already. There's nothing left to discover about them. It's time for freshness and newness and adventure, and so you're doing yourselves both a favour by, in a friendly and amicable way kiss each other goodbye you each go your separate ways and you move on to new relationships because nobody ever intended marriage to last for 20 or 30 or 40 years so this way you get two marriages in 40 years instead of just one and this and that way each one has the freshness and newness of getting to know a new person and so uh, the the answer to that is, it's false and the answer is not that the magic comes from discovering new things necessarily in that person, although that, yes, will and does happen constantly. What it is, is discovering new things in the world outside of yourselves together. That is what it is. And uh, that is something that never stops at any point at all. Do, am I making that clear? That yeah, I'm it's not, you. It's not in the closed circle of you and me, that we have to be constantly finding new drama and new adventure and new discoveries, although that always I think happens. We do, yeah. But more importantly, uh, when the two of us encounter Something a new, new idea, a new experience, a new event, a new confrontation, and and that, doing that with somebody with whom you've intertwined over the years is a is a very exciting and very wonderful thing so that is uh i mean i have many many more questions that, that people have brought sure. in and you probably could come up with a couple as well but um for now i just I'm, I'm hoping people do you think people like this
1: i don't know they will tell you i haven't noticed any shyness about people telling you when and, they did, and, and they i didn't love like that something. by the
0: way so uh, if you're listening to this on uh, on YouTube on the Rabbi Daniel Lapin YouTube channel, hey, <laughs> just put it right there. If, uh, anywhere else, why don't you write to us at, uh, go to the website, you need a rabbi.com. You need a rabbi.com. And then in the, uh, drop down menu under about us, you'll find a tab that says contact us and we will see your letter. So I hope you enjoyed us doing this is a little bit different from the, the normal format of, uh, of uh, the Rabbi Daniel app show but it's I just wanted to have this conversation uh, together with you, feeling that uh, you might like this uh, slightly personal glimpse into our lives and into our marriage. Alternatively, uh, you may have thought this to be a horrendous waste of time, and hey, either way is right. We want to hear from you, and you know that my mission is to serve you as uh, as much as possible, to bring you real value, not just entertainment Not just information, but yes, a limitless reservoir of inexhaustible stamina that comes from really understanding your five F's, getting your five F's, your faith, your family, your friendships, your finances, and your fitness up to speed and also in terms of getting to know how the world really works. All of that is so exciting and so energizing that those are the things that we really do want to bring to you. While you're at the website sending us a hello note and a greeting, uh, also take a look at Scrolling Through Scripture, the online course, uh, which is a verse-by-verse analysis of the first 34 verses of Genesis uh, which will literally open your eyes. Um, it'll expose you to a Bible you never knew. Uh, and I say this to, to people who are atheists, people who are Bible believers, and everybody in between. You cannot afford to ignore a book that has shaped civilization more than any other book in the last well, in the thousands of years of human history, no other book. So, you can't afford to remain ignorant of this book, and uh, something I'll talk about more in in a future show, but I'm discovering many people now who are not known as Bible believers, who are not known as religious people, but who are saying that uh, you, you can't manage without having a some awareness of a religious structure. I'm thinking of the wonderful current historian, Neil Ferguson. I don't remember if he's at Stanford now or Harvard. He tends to move around. Do you know who his wife is, Susan? No. Uh, Ali Hersey. Oh, Alana right. Hersey. Oh, yes. The, um, the remarkable and brave. I think she's originally from Somalia, but she was in Holland for many years. And um, the two of them make quite a couple. I've not thought of them in any ways religious, but well, just- but she um, left-
1: Islam. She left Islam, and and she rejected it.
0: Anyway, my point is that people who are not religious are surprising me. Um, Neil Ferguson wrote a wonderful book called "The West and the Rest." you know, looking at the fact that Western civilization has succeeded more than any other on the face of the planet. And this isn't his opinion or my opinion. It's the opinion of thousands and thousands and millions of people who risk everything in order to come and live under the socio-moral and legal underpinnings of Western civilization, whether it's in North America or whether it is uh, Western Europe. So... uh, Scrolling Through Scripture is the course. You can see it on the website, youneedarabbi.com. Read about it, and uh, you may well find that you want to join the group of us who are studying verse by verse through the first 34 verses of the Bible, which really lay the foundation for an understanding of the entire book. Susan, I think that that's probably as far as we're going for today. So, thanks for being part of the show. And as always, I so appreciate the work you do in helping to promote the show and win us new listeners. I think I've told you before, I'm a little obsessive about watching the download numbers and um, and get very uplifted when they climb and get downcast. Well, not much, but uh, but I'm aware when they... No, because they, you
1: know you are responsible for your happiness, not happiness, your download numbers.
0: That's exactly right, which takes <laughs> us full circle. Thanks for being part of this show, and uh, I want to wish you a fabulous week ahead as you develop your relationship with God, with your finances, with your family and friends, and with your own health and fitness. I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappen. God bless.